0: Hi, it's uh, Rian, and uh, we are looking at the highlights uh, for the workplace drive from the week of the 7th of September. We spoke to uh, Bianca Minar about uh, being a female transgender software developer and the pitfalls and hardships that hold. This Radio, we you are family. I'm Rian, and I'm talking to Bianca Minar today about software developing. Hi, Rian. Hi, Bianca. I must honestly confess here, you know, for me, the difference between software and hardware is you rub the one thing and it changes, and so software becomes hardware.
1: What is software? Okay, software is a very complicated set of code that is authored over an extensive period of time and compiled into a uh, EXE or a DLL, what we call it, and that would then um, execute on the machine and give you some some actions like user inputs and pressing buttons and hearing sounds and all those kind of things. But it's it's basically a, a conversation with a computer. So the art of of developing software is is something that you can't just pick up overnight. It is something that you work very hard and very long at before you are kind of good at it, you know. And and um, by extension, if you want to be really good at it, you have to work at it for a really long time.
0: How difficult was it to get into the industry?
1: Impossible. Um, you know, people always complain and they say, um, you know, I, I need a break. I need to get in somewhere. And, and IT is just the same. Software development is just the same. You need a break. Someone needs to get up and say, okay, fine, I'm going to give you a chance and, and see what you can do. And, and by that moment in time, you have to be ready. So, you know, a life spent in preparation might be just enough to get into IT.
0: You run your own company. At you the moment, company. yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
0: I want to get you to that, because I think there's a unique side to this whole thing for me, and it's not yeah. something that I that happens every day. Okay. You are a transgendered woman. That's right. So,
1: discrimination,
0: have you ever had that happening to you in, 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 yeah. in, in this industry?
1: Yeah, definitely. When when I came out, it's it's been really difficult since then. Um, You know, I... I had a family, I had a wife and three children and a supportive uh, um, father and mother, and um, I had a career. I, I was working at the bank, um, you know, I was going to the office in Santon, getting on the train at half past six in the morning from Pretoria through to Santon and then back. And it, it was grand until you know, people lost their faith. And in software development, faith, I think, is a big thing because we're dealing with something that could very easily be like you just said underestimated and and undervalued so um in in that situation it was difficult to maintain a facade of knowledge and of passion and of capability while people are asking questions about my personality and my um my identity and you know, am I gay or not? You know, do I like guys or do I like girls? You know, they're just... What does it matter at the end
0: know, of the day? I know,
1: but, you know, with business, it's become such a big problem. I see that we're sitting in the, in the, in the office of a, a hypnotherapist, and that's quite interesting because, you know, in business, we deal with uh, personalities very similar to a psychopath. And the business will, will basically, I don't want to swear on radio, but you do can, you do you I in. Fuck. Okay, so the business will fuck you over. As, as a developer, or as any kind of resource, basically, and, and any customer or whatever, you know, just to make money. And that's all the business wants. So when you come into work a situation with a personal situation, like being transgender and now coming out for the first time, and having to deal with your family, leaving you by the wayside and not having support and, you know, having to physically live on the street a few nights in a row, um, you know, people just... Don't have the kind of speed, especially when you're walking in as a contractor. You know, in a banking situation, everybody's wearing suits and ties, and all of a sudden, I'm wearing lipstick and makeup, you know, and and a dress, and it it became hard, and I ended up working from home for quite a period of time. And what then happened was I started becoming the workaholic that I feared I should never become, because. I felt, you know, okay, now I'm a trans woman. I've put myself back so many years because now I can't stand up there. I don't have male privilege anymore. You know, I can't threaten people with my big muscles anymore, you know, and, and I actually have to produce some code to do or some working software. So I ended up working 10 hours instead of eight hours. And, and working from home, I ended up working more physical hours than I would have in the office. And eventually I developed a tennis elbow from moving my hand between the mouse and the keyboard, back and forth oh. the whole time. So, and, and I burned out. I just, I physically couldn't cope anymore. And, and it was so sad that I ended up on my own, by myself, all alone, and there was no one to actually catch me and say, you know what, is your arm okay? Can we take you to the doctor? Can you go and get an injection? Do you wanna take a few days off? It was like, everybody just threw their hands up and said, you know what, you, we're gonna leave you for dead. And that's basically how I started bonsai again because I realised I have to change the way I do things. As as a trans person, as as a woman in in IT, I'm not going to survive because I can't I can't compete with anybody in in the industry based on hours anymore. You know, I've I've got a life, I've got to look after myself, I've got to go and buy makeup that I have to put on for two hours in the morning sometimes. You know, so. I've got different needs now. So I had to change the way I do things. And, and that's really what the business is about. Is I change the way I think about work. And I change the way I think about interactions with people. And I change the way I write software and produce it and enable other people to use it. What kind of software
0: do you, do you write? I think that the previous time we spoke, um, you mentioned something about an app.
1: Yeah. So um, my software journey has, has been something that, that's changed over time. I mean, every every would be developer starts off as a little child as a young as a young person and um most of us kind of want to write a virus you know we want to write something that that that's going to live something that's going to you know affect and everybody's going to see it and um that that idea continued then into websites and i started writing websites and i started writing um, interactions for for people in in business, you know, it, it it went down so far as to writing financial planners on the internet, um, based on um, Excel spreadsheets that actuaries would would hand me um, from institutions like um, Alexander Forbes, and and it became a passion for me to to kind of put something in front of a user to gain information from that user, and when when. I lost everything, basically. I, I figured, you know what, I do have my experience still with me. I do have my my journey and my progression as software developer, which the term software developer is, is something that I use um, interchangeably with programmer, someone that writes code specifically to be able to reuse it and execute it on multiple platforms, really. That's what pro, a software developer means to me. And I found about... Ten years ago, I started with, with mobile development, and, and it was such a passion. I just couldn't put the mobile phone down, and, and I figured, you know, this has to be the future. It has to be the way that people are going to interact and the way that people's going to consume software in the future. I mean, I'm talking back now, ten years back, um, the first Titan 2 phones only came out. Windows Mobile was the only thing really that, that you could do anything with, and, and we wrote some really impressive software on Windows Mobile 15 years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, it ended up in, in a situation where I brought everything together and I realized that um, we as a software development community has an opportunity to change the way we think and interact with business. Because if you think about it, every other major um, group of employees has representatives like a union and, um, you know, Basic Employment Act and so forth. but It's like software developers somewhere falling through the cracks. And there's no representation. There's no kind of union for software developers. And and they also don't want to get involved. You know, we're not political kind of people. We we want to sit in the office and write code. But we get abused in the office. And um, I figured, you know what, if I can write a piece of code that I can rely on to produce working software instead of um, experimental software. What's the difference between the two? If I give you a demo, it's experimental software. Okay. So I give you a demo, and the demo's got some what we call mock data in. So if you think about something that captures um, user information and brings back a profile in terms of, uh, let's say, an account of some sort, um, we can mock that data, and we can pretend that that data exists from a back-end integrated perspective, but it, it doesn't necessarily is the case, you know, so when I give you that piece of data that that software, it's not fully complete yet, you know it's something that still needs to be written, and the chances of me changing something down the line and it breaking then and costing me weeks of redevelopment and redesign you know is quite good in in the in the industry today, and that's why software developers is such a bad name because people think you know we just sit there and we just write all these lines of code and then it breaks, and we code bugs, and you know that's just our life but there has to be a change in the way we think and say, okay, let's actually not produce bad code in the first place. Let's put down a piece of software that I can demo and put down and say, this piece of software as it is shows you exactly what it can do. And to that point, it's complete. And that's a workable piece of software. Then. Do you study to become
0: a software developer?
1: Yeah, I think I think the the gross amount of studying that you have to do is, is substantial. Um, you know, I started... At the age of nine and my father basically gave me his university level um, programming manual it was i think that at that moment in time it was 680 pages full of of code yeah and that's where i started at nine years old and he didn't teach me much i just basically go went through the book and i taught myself and i did that with every other language subsequent to the first one i did was um, pascal and since then i think I've gone through, yes, must be 15 to 16 different languages by now.
0: Okay, so these languages as well. Okay. Yeah, mean, you're yeah, a very yeah. Person. yeah. So, what are we
1: talking about when we we're, say that? We're talking about expression. So, you have to express yourself to the computer, to the cell phone, to whatever platform you're targeting. You have to express yourself. And you have to basically tell the machine step by step what to do and, and, and what to expect. You know, so it involves a, a very um, complex uh formatation of of if statements and case statements and while loops and for loops and for each loops. And, you know, it's basically a structural representation of, of a logic set of steps that you want to execute, an algorithm, basically. People sometimes talk about algorithms. That's the nice word for a step by step execution of, of something.
0: Yeah, you're in the process of I when mean, you can take the loops, and for me, a loop is an IDJ, so it's like repeating the same thing over and over. But you're, you've worked on an app that is being launched,
1: or you are going to launch, and yes. it's very excited.
0: Yes. Just give me a little bit of okay. background. So,
1: so, Bonsai basically, f- right now, is a methodology that provides a mobile software developer targeting iOS and Android. Those are languages. So iOS and Android and Windows are the, the end platforms, the mobile platforms that we target. Okay. So you get your Windows mobile phone, you get your Android phone, and then you get your iOS phone. Okay. The okay,
0: iOS would be BlackBerry.
1: No, no, BlackBerry Hello. is off the charts by now. Oh, of course. But it
0: shows you how behind the phone. iPhone. I am.
1: iPhone. It's not iOS. It's iPhone. Okay. iPhone's iOS, Android is your your no- is your sorry, not your Nokia. It's your your um, your, your Samsungs and those kind of things. Those are the Android phones. And then you get your Windows phones, which is the knockouts.
0: Okay, so we're getting back to Bonsai. So, what... yeah.
1: so Bonsai basically takes all the um, architectural knowledge that I've gained in the last 20 odd years in the industry and it brings it together with the help of some smart templating code that I've been working on. And it generates physical, complete sets of executing application code that can be launched directly onto the App Store. So the, the end game for me, and I'm not far away, is that there is an app on your phone that you download on your phone. And you fill in a couple of details, like the name of your app, and so forth, and so forth, and hit a button, and basically find your app in the App Store.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, in a if day if I want you... to make an app for me as a DJ. Then
1: yeah. I'll... Yeah. We can start the basics for that. But, yes, bearing in mind, software development is just never going to be cheap. Unfortunately, be. It's, it's a very expensive thing. And, and another thing that Bonsai now also brings to the table is it's reduced the cost because I can now more effectively write pieces of code and um, reuse pieces of code. That um, generates full sets of functionality that I don't have to test again. I don't have to look at again. I know that work, and, um, the, and so you're just paying for something that's already been written, and um, already functional. And then you just pay for your little for your little piece that you basically use to um, make it look nice. You know, put your own pictures up there and whatever. We're gonna charge you for that, but you're basically gonna get an app that that. Someone would probably charge you in excess of half a million to a million rands for over a period of six to eight months, in less than two months, and and with the capability of change and and growth without limit.
0: You still work for yourself. Yeah. Yeah downfalls pitfalls how do you have you created that balance because you know i I know Um, for a fact you know it's very
1: easy to. it's taken me eight months of joblessness and and a great idea that that i i had to sell i have to be able to sell my business and and i think that's the key factor in 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 failure of most businesses startups anyway is that selling how do you sell as a as a business owner how do you go out and sell your business as well as um Food on the table. I mean, I had to get up at five again this morning and I had to work until 11 and get ready to come here, you know.
0: And you look gorgeous, by the way. I'm Thank going to post you. pictures <laughs> and show everybody. Yeah.
1: You know.
0: yeah. Is it difficult being a woman and doing software developing?
1: Yeah, I think it is. As an employee, as a woman, it's difficult because, you know, we, we are more intuitive and we, we are more um, expressionate and more passionate, I think. The capacity for passion is bigger, mostly, from what I've experienced anyway. Um, And I've seen both sides. But be that as it may, as a woman, I feel that people look at women and think, okay, this person is now too emotional. This person is now making a big scene out of nothing, type of thing. We're, We're... I, I would rather say, you know what, when I get excited, when, when I show myself as a business now, I can present myself and I can be flamboyant and I can dress pretty and I can say, here's the code and everything's flashy. But as an employee where someone wants me to fit in and, you know, not rock the boat too much, it doesn't work anymore. I can't work for the bank anymore. I can't go and sit in the office nine to five. It doesn't work. I can't. And, and I think many women find that, you know, our lives needs to be more flexible. And our lives needs to be more accessible um, during office hours because you go to the office and you're stuck and you can't pick up your phone, you can't talk to anybody, and you feel guilty for having a cup of coffee because you know your boss is watching you. But again, this is something that I'm trying to address with bonsai. As 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 an employee, you basically become the owner of your own business, and um, if you are capable of learning to to do software development and I'm capable of teaching that and that's the other arm of, of what I'm trying to do with Bonza is to find a a bunch of people that will come together and learn how to do software development right the first time and put valuable software solutions in place with guidance from gain from uh, 20 years of experience in the business and basically giving, the small, medium companies in the street today, uh, accessible mobile solutions that they can access? Because, I mean, you, you now know, you want to ask the question, you want to be a DJ and you want to have your own app, what would an app take? Maybe you can just put your calendar on your app, you know, make it look spiffy and you can just show, here's my next show, I'm I'm doing a show in three days and it's purple and then tomorrow it's pink and, you know, whatever, whatever you can come up with. And then that's the kind of thing is, I think is very valuable for, for any personal entity, even a business, where a business can communicate with its clients and, and say, you know what, these are the campaigns that I want to write. And Bonsai has written all that code already. We just need to put it together.
0: What do you think distinguishes a, a great software developer or engineer from a
1: not-so-great well, one? You know, that's a difficult question. The The software... Industry is very competition-orientated, competitive rather. And in short, you're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to work. If you don't work, you're not going to get anywhere. And it, it comes through in software development as well. You know, the amount of time that I worked overtime is substantial. I mean, I played a lot of games as well, but I was working overtime for years on end and when i worked 10 hours a day i worked and i put all that time in and I, and I and i looked i looked at at not just sitting and writing code but i looked at dreaming i looked at how how can i make this work better and as an architect that's really what what made the distinction for me is to keep on dreaming and keep abreast of the the latest and greatest technologies so that i can predict what will work as Bonza's is not the first time that I've done this. I've done this about 18 years ago, something similar to this. And I brought out a piece of code that I believed was going to revolutionize software development back then. But I did not have the funding and I did not have the time to finish it. So I could never push it in the market. Even though I sold it once, I could never sell it again because, again, I couldn't go out and market it. And I couldn't sit down and just physically finish it so that I could sell it again. You know, Where this time I didn't have a choice. I had to sit down and sell it because I got nothing else to do. So I had to sit down and write it. But um, when I wrote that piece of software, it was two years in front of its time. You know, so I dreamt two years ahead and I saw something or a way of doing something that nobody else has thought of in two years and then failed for another two years to implement. Um, and, and by that time, you know, I, I I could have made some real money back then, but I couldn't. I didn't.
0: It sounds like it's a lot of determination that goes yeah. into the Yeah. Now you world. have
1: to. Now you have to. Again, I don't want to swear, but each sleep and shit computers, basically. Yeah. You've got a passion for computers. I do, actually. I can see it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think my last two questions that I want to go in here with is, you know, if needed, how would you go about designing scalable applications?
1: Well, first of all, you've got to think of your reuse. So there there's two main facets of a growing application. And First of all, you know, people think applications are written once and run forever. That's nonsense. You know, as soon as your application stops development, you're basically dead in the water. You have to grow it. You have to keep going at it, and so it's a constant work. It's a constant work. So, and and that's why the name bonsai for me was was such a, a pivotal um, signature of of what I'm trying to do. Because now, as I'm living at Krishna, I'm eating my own breakfast, right? I've written a piece of code that that I can use as a tool to write a lot of code with, and I'm I'm using that tool today in my work, and it's given me the distinct feeling that now I can write a piece of code and then I can take it through a few steps of what we call refactory and then end up in a much more clinical and structured way than it would have been first off if I just wrote it the first time. So the the development methodology takes the code through a process of trimming or or pruning, if you want, um, to to create a a unique and and, uh, cohesive set of code. Rather than just writing a solution out for one person, I'm I'm much rather looking at something that I can reuse, something that 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 works because I know it works because I tested it before because I read it before.
0: When is the app going to be available, and where?
1: Well, yeah, basically I'm aiming to get the Android version out by the end of the year. So if I can get the Android version out, and then I will have a, um, a companion source repository for the app that's in then generate it. So from a development perspective, as a developer, you'll come in, you'll download the app on your mobile cell phone on, on, on Android, and it will give you the options that you need to fill in. You hit the button, you register, whatever needs to happen, and you go in and you fill in your screen names. And, you know, maybe you can even, you, at some stage later, I want to um, enable you to upload the physical XAML files, which is the presentation layers, you know, what colors your, your, your text boxes are and those kind of things. Um, where you can physically upload them from your mobile device. So you can physically code them if you want to. The code is really simple, basically, from a XAML perspective. And and once you've uploaded that, then your app will be available within the next few days within the store as it goes through the process in the back end of uh, doing all the compilations and generations and everything. And you'll have your baseline app with the source code uh, that you can basically give any developer and say, you know what, I need another 20 hours on my app. Please finish it up for me.
0: Anybody listens to this and they kind of go, oh my God, I want to get hold of her. Where can yes, I get hold of you yes. You're on Facebook?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, um, but my main contact vector for the business is LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah. okay. So Bianca Minor on LinkedIn, you'll find me if you just type in my name on, on Google, Bianca Minnar uh, with two N's and two A's. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, uh, connect with me there, and you can also reach me with my Gmail address, bminnar, M-I-N-N-A-A-R at gmail.com. .com.
0: And then how profitable is it to be a software developer? It's hard work that we know.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's I, I would say it's very profitable, but um you know it's it's a trade. It's not a get-rich quick scheme. <laughs> you know, if you're looking if you're looking for a big break, you know, rather try your hand at, at authoring, I'd say. You know, if, if you've got a serious passion and you really want to 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 write software code software for the machine and make machine code run up and down and give you funky stuff, then you can become a software developer. But otherwise, I would suggest that you steer clear. But for the ones who want to do it, I'm willing to learn, uh, willing to teach. I want to teach. I've written a couple of documents already. Um, teaching people how to use Bonsai is basically my, my, my primary focus. So anybody who's really interested, just send me a mail Let's see if we can set the thing up on your machine and get you up and running. And uh, I, I believe that there should be, you know, just off the bat from, from a bunch of people out of university or even out of school, let's say let's say a thousand people finish this matric, at least 20 of those thousand people can become real good developers. And I will offer that opportunity to become a a. Production grade developer basically in two weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: People should then get in touch with you. I yeah.
1: Think.
0: Awesome. So, uh, Bianca, thank you so much for your time. Thank it's you. It's been Rian. great having you on the show. Thank and you. I'm sure I'm going to have you back because there's still. Yeah, you know, I've just realized something. There's a, a reason why I'm behind microphones and things. Yeah. I should try this. I'm going to yeah. be one of those people that are all asleep. Guys, <laughs> Okay, so ready with your family. I'm Rion, and it was Bianca Menard talking to us all about software developing uh, this morning. Stay streaming. We also followed up on conversion therapy, that is such a hot topic at the moment, and uh, specifically boy erased, being released in November, and here's all about that. Yeah, you say radio where you are, family. I'm Marion and this is the Workday Jive. So uh, we had um, Queen kicking us off there with Under Pressure, and I said a very, very, very. Momentous day in Queens Street today, and I'll tell you all about that later in the show. And then, of course, Mike George Michael there with a fantasy. And uh, we are talking, or we going to talk about conversion therapy, and specifically today, we're talking about that new movie that's coming out called Boy Erased. Now, we had a poll happening on Facebook, and we asked the question should gay people have the choice to undergo conversion therapy? And a very interesting votes, the 42% of people said yes, and 58% of people said no. And uh, I'm going to give you some answers coming up what people had to say about that question as well. As well as I'm going to play you a clip by the author of Boy Erased, and then we're going to look at some facts so that you didn't know about the movie as well. We're talking about conversion therapy. Now, uh, we did a a poll on our Facebook page, and if you don't follow us on Facebook, then make a point to do so, Gay Say Radio there as well. And the question we asked was, should gay people have the choice to undergo conversion therapy? Very interesting votes there, 42% of people said yes, while 58% of people said no. Now, the line that we asked that question in is in the USA, there is currently a debate happening um, whether it's constitutional to say no to people um, when they want to access conversion therapy. And uh, interesting comments as well. Damon said the question implies that any LGBT person would volunteer for chore torture. Really? Stephanie said, why would I change who I am just to conform to what people perceive to be correct? Sorry, but no. I was born this way and I will die this way. If people cannot accept me for who I and what I am, then I do not need them in my life. Plain and simple as that. Hannah said, should a healthy human being have the choice to have their legs amputated? While John said, stop complicating it. Why not accept it? it has to do with two persons who love each other all but unconventional and then brandon said so-called conversion therapy should not exist i absolutely agree it shouldn't exist but it does and uh, that whole thing is happening at the moment should we have the right to have it if we choose so and uh, whether it's constitutional or not now um conversion therapy is uh, obviously if you don't know what it is it's the harmful practice of trying to change someone's sexuality and this can be done via psychotherapy and religion it's also at the forefront of a new star-studded movie called Boy Erased now the movie is based on Gerard Conley's memoir of the same name and uh, the movie was directed and written by Joel Egerton and it follows the 19 year old Gerard when he's outed to his parents now the character in the movie that is um, called Lucas Hedges Now living in a small town Garrod's parents are a Baptist pastor and a very conservative mother. Now the mother is played by Nicole Kidman and The pastor by Russell Crowe Now when they find out what happens to their son They send him to a conversion therapy camp where he meets the head therapist um, Edgerton and uh, other campus such as a singer Troy Savon. now a very interesting um, uh, Gerald Conley spoke um, a little bit about the book and his background in an interview and I'm going to play that for you about conversion therapy and as I said this is very wrong but unfortunately it does exist
1: often we are in these environments where people like we can survive and we can thrive at some
0: point Gerard Conley, um, the author of Boy Erased, speaking about his life a little bit there and uh, conversion therapy, and then finding who you are. Now, we are talking about Boy Erased, we're talking about conversion therapy, and uh, as I said, that question is still out there. You know, is it constitutional to be denied the fact that you would like to have conversion therapy? And of course, you can WhatsApp me on plus two seven, six double one, six nine three eight three one plus two seven six double one six nine three eight three one let me know what you think and there's a whole debate happening out there as i said you know people are kind of going yes we should have the right to undergo conversion therapy because uh it's unconstitutional to deny us that and this is specifically happening in the united states and in the light of that uh, there's a new movie coming out called boy erased and uh, if you've just started streaming well i spoke to well i had an interview with the the author the author of the book um, called uh, Gerard Conley earlier and of course I didn't do the interview but there was an interview by him so uh, some other people were commented on um, the poll we did on Facebook and uh, Devin said it's a tricky question to ask is conversion therapy right? no, it's inhumane, cruel and torturous do I believe that people should be allowed to make their own choices, regardless of how harmful that choice may be? Sure, I just hope we are able to educate and embrace LGBTQ plus people who are considering this as a choice and show them that attempting to change who you are isn't the key to acceptance. Brian also said this, uh, to sin even more, uh, the wannabe straights can go and conform, lying night after night next to wives dreaming about some guy Ryan said what a disastrous question it's unanswerable indeed and Chris said rather have it as a choice than have it enforced and uh, as I said that movie is coming out now watching a boy erased trailer the movie seems to be a raw honest and emotional look at the pain that co- um, this causes young LGBTQ plus teens it's also no surprise the movie is already igniting awards chatter now it's the second Hollywood movie focusing on conversion therapy this year the other is Miseducation of Cameron Post that starred Chloe Grace Moretz now most medical associations condemn the practice of conversion therapy there's no scientific evidence whatsoever that it works However, there is evidence that it causes higher rates of depression and anxiety among patients. Now, it's something that is quickly becoming phased out in the United States, and uh, more and more states are enacting legislation banning it for a minus. So there we go, some facts about Boy race uh, that you want to make notes of. As I said, that movie is being um, released on the 2nd of November in the US, and uh, we will probably get it here in South Africa a bit later. And it's focusing on conver- conversion therapy. Now, you know, I'm I'm not condoning conversion therapy. It's, it's bad, it's horrible, and I don't think anybody should be forced to go through anything like that. Um, however, I also don't think that anybody should actually have a choice in the matter. I mean, it would be like saying it's okay to commit suicide and giving people the option to do that. Um, it's in your main and uh, in my opinion, we should kind of just not let people do it. And I agree with that poll we ran on Facebook. Um, no, no, not on Facebook. That's it from us at the Workday Drive. Catch the show on Say Radio with your family every Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. till 12 p.m. Stay safe and uh, stay blessed, and see you soon.